The Buddhism and Breath Summit was an event that took place online in 2021 with a group of researchers exploring Buddhist practices of working with the breath or the winds of the body. The event was co-hosted by me, Francis Garrett, and Pierce Salguero, and co-sponsored by the Robert H. N. Ho Family Foundation Center for Buddhist Studies at the University of Toronto and Jivaka.net. The following talk is entitled Mind, Wind, and Heart. Tibetan Notions of Wind in Mental Mental Health and Illness. And it's delivered by Dr. Susanna Dean, who does research about Tibetan perspectives on mental health, illness, and healing. She's the author of a book called Tibetan Medicine, Buddhism, and Psychiatry, Mental Health and Healing in a Tibetan Exile Community. You can watch the video of this talk and find other resources from the Buddhism and Breath Summit at jivaka.net. That's J-I-V-A-K-A, jivaka.net, N-E-T. Hi, I'm going to talk about the Tibetan notion of wind, or lung, how it relates to concepts of mind and heart in Tibetan ideas of mind-body functioning, and how this is connected to uh, mental health and illness, which is what my research is focused on. So the Tibetan notion of wind is fundamental both to uh, Tibetan medical Soa Rigpa tradition and also to Tibetan Buddhist tantric traditions. Now, this is a little bit complicated because we have one Tibetan concept, uh, lung, wind, which in fact conflates two Sanskrit concepts from India. So firstly, we have lung as vata, one of the three Ayurvedic dosha of wind, bile and phlegm, which is related in the medical understanding of the kind of structure and functioning of the body. And then secondly, we have lung as prana. Now, this is usually translated into English as life force or breath, and it is um, a force or energy which is manipulated during tantric practice uh, through a lot of breathing exercises uh, as part of the Indian tantric traditions. Now, in the Tibetan context, we only have one concept and one term of wind. What that means is that we have two overlapping, but not exactly the same um, sort of descriptions of wind in the mind and body in the medical and uh, Buddhist texts. Uh, and so we have some descriptions which are almost the same in a lot of places, but are not uh, exactly match up in Tibetan medicine and uh, Buddhist Tantra. Now, we often get this saying in Tibetan, the mind rides the wind as a man rides a horse. And it's uh, the idea is that the mind needs the wind for movement uh, or energy, but also the wind needs the mind for direction. But it really gets to the point that the mind and wind are understood to be intimately connected. They're inseparable. The, the wind is carrying the mind, if you like. In addition, we also, of course, have the breath. And some of the tantra practices, as we'll see, are um, using the breath, particular ways of inhaling, exhaling and holding the breath in the body in order to manipulate the flow of the wind through the body in order to then manipulate the consciousness. So Guarisco, for example, describes the wind and the breath as flowing in synchrony, but not being identical. Now, if we look first at wind in the Tibetan medical Sawaripa tradition, we look, for example, at the four tantras or the Kyushi foundational medical text. We find descriptions of 72,000 wind channels. Now, these are understood to be channels that run throughout the body 
through which these um, many, many winds flow. Now here, wind, as we say, is one of the three nyepa, taken from the Indian Ayurvedic notion of dosha, of wind, bile and phlegm. And this is related to how the body is understood to be uh, structured and functions. Now, because of the way the wind currents are described in the medical texts and have been depicted, some Tibetan medicine scholars uh, and also practitioners have drawn equivalences between some of those particular wind currents and wind channels uh, with some of the structures of the biomedical system. So, for example, some channels have been uh, said to be equivalent to aspects of the nervous system, others to the blood vessels um, and the lymphatic system and things like that. Now, the four tantras, the Kyushi, the medical text, describes 63 wind disorders and it describes treatments which include medicinal formulae, uh, external therapies such as massage or moxibustion and also dietary and behavioural guidelines. We'll look at those in a minute. That describes five main wind currents. We have the ascending lung, uh, ascending wind, the gyenkyu lung. We have the pervasive wind, the chapje lung. We have the fire accompanying wind, menyam lung. The descending wind, tersel lung. And then the life holding wind, the sok lung or sok tzin lung. Now, the life holding wind, sometimes also referred to as life bearing or life sustaining wind, is described as being the most subtle of those winds. It's understood to support the life force and to hold the consciousness. It's the one that is most linked to the mind and its functioning. The life holding wind is said to flow through the life holding channel, which is uh, runs from the throat to the chest and is situated at the heart centre. If we turn then to look at wind in Tibetan Buddhist Tantra, we want to think about uh, how enlightenment and uh, Buddhahood is understood in the Tibetan Buddhist Tantra tradition. Here we are talking, as Samuel describes it, as a, a total transformation of the mind-body system. The practitioner is aiming to com completely transform themselves into the enlightened uh, mind and body of an enlightened being. And much of this is done through what are called Tsalung, channel wind practices. And these are focused on the manipulation of the wind through the various channels in the body. Now, it's not just the wind, but also what are called the subtle drops, the tikle in Tibetan, which are understood to be carried in uh, on the wind through the body. Now, the tikle, the subtle drops, are very much linked to bodhicitta, the Buddhist mind of enlightenment. So what the practitioner is doing when they're manipulating that flow of wind through the body is they're also manipulating the movement of the subtle drops and therefore um, awakening uh, and controlling the bodhicitta through the channels of the body and also through the various chakras, uh, the most important of which often said to uh, run down the centre of the body. Now, in these practices, there's often much focus on the central channel, which runs, as it suggests, down the centre of the body. But also there are two channels, one each side of it, the left channel and the right channel, um, which run sort of alongside the central channel, crossing it at particular chakras. And some of these practices are very much uh, focused on 
manipulating the wind from those two side channels into that one central channel. And some of this is done through breathing techniques in order to control the wind. So we find descriptions in the Buddhist tantric texts of particular ways of inhaling, of exhale, exhaling, and also particularly of holding the breath in different ways in order to manipulate and control the wind in the body. Now, if we turn to look at wind illnesses, lungne, or uh, other conditions related to disruption of the lung in the body, we find them described in both the medical texts and also in the Tibetan Buddhist texts. So we'll look at those in turn. So if we look at the way that wind illnesses are described in the four tantras or the Kyushi uh, Tibetan medical text, we find lots of descriptions of the different currents of wind, um, and the different causes and symptoms that can be uh, relevant. But there are also general um, causes and symptoms of, of wind illness overall. So for example, the lung can be disrupted by um, behavioural factors, things like prolonged fasting, a malnutritious diet, uh, lack of sleep, strenuous physical exercises, suppressing urination. But it can also be caused by psychological factors, things like extreme grief or excessive verbal or mental activities. So we often find um, things like uh, difficult life circumstances or um, bereavements or um, stress from exams at school or um, you know work stresses described as causes of disruption in the lung. Also mental activities such as worry or um, sort of prolonged rumination on some situation or life events. This kind of things where we might describe somebody as being sort of in their own head, thinking a lot, um, spending a lot of time on their own, either thinking a lot or um, studying a lot without much uh, input from other people or other stimulation. Now, general symptoms of wind illnesses can include things like pressure in the upper back, also pain at particular points in the back or the neck related to certain lung points in the body, swelling of the abdomen, dizziness, insomnia, but also psychological symptoms, things like mental instability, hallucinations, uh, states of mind that we might call uh, depression or anxiety. So we can see how connected the mind and the wind are in the sense that some kind of disruption in the lung can be caused by emotional states or uh, mental activities. But equally, mental activities, um, emotional states um, can be caused by some disruption in the lung. So it goes both ways. So what about the heart? How is that related to the wind and the mind? Well, we often hear people talk about heart illness, nyingne, rather than mind illness, uh, semne, or wind illness, lungne. And this is often in discussions of the kind of conditions that we've just been talking about. So a situation where somebody perhaps um, has excessive worry, or they might be feeling very anxious about a certain situation, their mood might be very low, um, the kind of things we might liken to depression or anxiety in biomedical understanding. Now, there's a few reasons for this kind of link between heart and mind and wind. The first is simply that the heart is one location of wind. We talked already about how the Sokzin Lung, the uh, life-holding wind, is located in the centre of body around the region of the heart. 
Tranquilly, the heart in Tibetan understanding is seen to be the seat of the mind. So we might hear of heart wind illness, ning lung ne, or wind in the heart illness. And this is where the wind has become trapped in a particular area of the heart, um, causing particular symptoms. And it's one form of wind illness, one form of lung ne, ning lung ne, heart wind illness. And this can cause symptoms, including a kind of trembling in the body, pressure on the upper body, but also these kind of psychological uh, symptoms like delusions or hallucinations, um, somebody speaking nonsensically, um, and also things like a spinning head, dizziness, lethargy. Now, if we turn to the Tibetan Buddhist Tantric texts, we also find descriptions of wind illnesses or disruptions in the wind caused by uh, often practicing incorrectly. Now, to start with, there's quite a simple um, issue, which is that we already saw that spending a lot of time kind of on your own, in your own head, can lead to disruption in the wind if you're not careful. And of course, when practitioners are doing their intensive uh, tantric practice, they are by definition spending a lot of time kind of in their own head, and this can lead to problems in wind disruption. But equally, they may be uh, conducting their practice incorrectly, and this could lead to disruptions in wind. Now, this is often described as being due to a lack of knowledge or a lack of guidance. Examples of um, practitioners who perhaps were too eager to go to high level practices, or perhaps they um, ignored the guidance of their teacher, starting practices that they were not yet ready for before they had a good foundation in the more basic uh, levels of practice. Now, tantric practices are understood by Tibetans to be very complex very difficult and very high level practices. And so it's really important that the student listens to their teacher in terms of uh, getting guidance about what they're ready for, uh, what stages of practice they can be initiated into. And so when I did my research in India and China, I heard stories about people who perhaps didn't listen to their teacher. They were too enthusiastic or uh, too sort of ambitious, taking on high level practices before they were ready and leading to problems. So this can be simple things like the wind becoming kind of blocked or trapped in uh, particular parts of the body, or it may just simply be flowing in the wrong place. So for example, Quarisco describes problems related to wind entering the central channel, which is described in the, um, in the medical text, that's Sotza. So here, the wind and therefore the mind, which is being carried by it, erroneously enters into the central channel. And this, he tells us, can lead to seizures uh, or even things like madness. And so here are a couple of examples of descriptions I heard uh, during my research in Qinghai. So, for example, Dr. Tamdrin, who was not only a Tibetan Sawaripa uh, medicine doctor, but also a ritual specialist known as a Ngakpa, told me that most of these kind of students that got wind problems, they did something wrong. In fact, he told me that this is quite common uh, and the teacher normally will warn their students and explain to them how careful they have to be, how they have to follow the instructions. Otherwise, the wind can go in the wrong way and you may become mad, as he explained. Similarly, um, Lama Tering explained to me that usually before practitioners go on retreat, their teacher will give them this kind of guidance to make sure they are ready. 
as he said, if you can't control your heart, then you can't control your mind. So again, we see this key relationship between the wind, the heart and the mind. So how can we treat these kinds of wind illnesses or disruptions in the wind? Well, if we look at the Tibetan medical texts, such as the QG, we find descriptions of treatments, including medicines, uh, external therapies, dietary and behavioural interventions. So, for example, external therapies will include things like enema and massage. Also, the application of extreme heat to the body at particular points using um, tools like the ones in the picture here, known as telpa or telwa. And this is used to apply uh, heat to the body at particular points on the head and the torso, uh, which are related to the lung. Dietary interventions um, will depend on the different lung affected, the different currents of lung affected. And behavioural interventions will include things like um, being very calm, staying in a warm place, a calm place around people who are speaking gently, quietly looking after you. Similarly, in some of the tantric texts, we find descriptions of how to treat wind conditions um, caused by uh, incorrect tantric practice. So, of course, we also have the general advice on treating wind illnesses from the medical side, and so particular medicines, external therapies, behavioural guidelines, things like that. But in addition, the practitioner probably needs to change their practice, and ideally they would ask their teacher uh, for advice what they need to do. So, for example, we have this text uh, named the Oral Instructions on the Methods for Correcting the Defects of Isolated Wind, translated by Marek and Oliphant, that describes the problem of the defect of the bellowing wind, where the winds have become immobilised in the spinal column. So we can see it describes treatment, which include massage on particular points in the body, but also further tantric practice. So I'm going to finish off uh, by coming back to that Tibetan saying, the mind rides the wind as a man rides a horse. We get a sense of that very close connection between the wind and the mind and consciousness. Not only that, but the heart too. These close connections between the heart, the mind and the wind in both medicine and Tantra. And it's through these medical and Tantric, these overlapping uh, medical and Tantric understandings of wind and its connection to the heart and mind, that we can get a sense of why wind is so integral to the functioning and the dysfunctioning of the mind, and how that plays out from a tantric and medical perspective. Thank you.